Good morning. It is such a pleasure um, to be able to open God's Word with you this morning. Why don't we pray, and then we'll begin. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much uh, for your Word. Thank you that you delight to speak to us. And Lord, as we dig into your Word this morning, we pray that you would speak, that you would open our eyes to see more of who you are and who you've made us to be, that you would transform us and send us out to live more wholeheartedly for you in our day-to-day lives. Amen. Amen. So the passage for this morning is from Exodus chapter 20. Uh, You can find it in the church Bibles on page 77, um, and it's going to come up on the screen as well, and I'm going to read it to us. It begins like this, Exodus 20, verse 1. And God spoke all these words, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. If I stood before you this morning and offered you the opportunity to be more restricted, to be more tied down, I'm not sure you'd be keen to take me up on that offer. But if I said I could offer you freedom, I think you might be interested. Freedom from fear. Freedom from financial stress. Freedom from your difficult boss, that work situation, the tough family circumstance. In our passage today, the Israelites are given the Ten Commandments, boundaries which God has given to them for them to live their life by. On first glance, it can feel a little bit restrictive. God is putting limits on what they can and can't do. But as we dig deeper, I want to speak about how these rules are actually the keys to their freedom. Today, I want to talk to you about how to live in freedom. Now, I know when you're looking at me, you're thinking, ah, that's Sam Follett. There is the personification of rebellion. That guy is utterly outrageous. He's such a rule breaker. Somebody needs to enforce some boundaries with that guy. Um, But it might surprise you to know that actually growing up, um, I tended to stick to the rules. I tended to obey what my parents told me to do. Um, And I was speaking to my parents this week, trying to find out what was the worst thing that I did as a child. What was the worst way in which I obeyed them? Uh, Disobeyed them. Not obeyed them. (laughs) They literally could come up with nothing. I clearly could have lived a lot more as a child. I dread to think what my midlife crisis is going to be like. Um, But the worst thing, the worst thing that we could come up with was when I was 10, I broke into my school by accident. It was an accident. I I had my cycling proficiency lessons after school, because obviously I wanted to be safe on the road. Um, So I had the cycling proficiency lesson, but I'd left my bag in the classroom. And afterwards, I wanted to go and get my bag, but the teacher said, oh no, it's been locked up, you're just going to have to wait till tomorrow. Um, But I decided I'd, I'd go... I give it a go. I was a smart kid. I thought maybe the cleaners will still be in. So I started to cycle around the building to see if I could see any lights on. And lo and behold, I spotted a light on in the school and managed to find the door slightly ajar. Um, So I let myself in. I walked through a classroom. 
I walked through the photocopying room, and I got about halfway across the dining hall before the burglar alarm went off. I immediately knew I was in trouble. I had done the wrong thing. The teacher said I mustn't go in, so I did what every ten-year-old would do in that situation, and I tried to get as far away from the school as I possibly could. I legged it across the dining room, through the photocopying room, through the classroom, jumped on my bike, and cycled home as fast as I could. I have no idea how they knew it was me, but the next morning the head teacher came and found me, and he called me to his office. And I was on the receiving end of some harsh words, and I also had a couple of my break times taken away from me. So, thank you, thank you for your sympathy. <laughs> really, the consequences of this dis- disobedience were fairly minor. I inconvenienced the caretaker. Um, on the plus side, um, I gave them a bit of a nudge to refresh their locking up policy. Um, but there were other rules that my parents imposed on me. Where the consequences of disobedience would have been far greater than I could have understood. We lived near a river, and I was not allowed to play near the river for obvious reasons. We had a fire; I was not allowed to put my hand in the fire for obvious reasons. My parents wouldn't allow me to live on a diet exclusively made up of Haribo and Skittles, and I still have teeth today thanks to them. The rules my parents imposed on me were for my good. And protected me from consequences that would have ultimately inhibited my freedom. These boundaries that they put in place enabled me to flourish. Boundaries enable freedom. Perhaps another way to look at it um, of this idea is through sport. If we do away with all the rules, it's sheer chaos. But if you work with the framework of the game, you can have good sport. In music, if you don't have a key, a time signature, a rhythm. An orchestra couldn't play together, but when you have these things, musicians can even improvise with one another and make beautiful music. I don't know if you drove here this morning, but if we didn't have the highway code, your drive would have taken significantly longer and would have been significantly more dangerous. Boundaries enable freedom. In verse two of our passage this morning, it says, "God says, 'I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt.'" Out of the land of slavery, God identifies Himself as the one who freed them. His desire is for His people to be free. But then He goes straight into the Ten Commandments. It feels counterintuitive, like God saying, "I brought you out of slavery, but now I'm going to kind of burden you myself." But actually, that's not what's going on. Instead, He's saying, "I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of slavery, and now this is how you live as freed people." This is how you remain free. In last week's passage, we saw God calling Moses to lead God's people out of Egypt, and in the next few chapters, perhaps you're following in Bible in one year. Moses has led them out, but before long, they're beginning to grumble. We'll see in the coming chapters、um, that they begin to build idols, false gods for themselves. They begin practices、um, which actually enslave themselves again. God has freed them, but they don't know how to live as freed people. It's like they're longing to be back in the bonds of slavery. So God shows them new boundaries, boundaries that instead of enslaving them, will keep them free. The Ten Commandments are good news for the Israelites. So let's take a look at what God says about freedom. The first thing is to prioritize relationship with God. 
The commandments um, are split into two categories. Um, The first four concerning how we relate to God, and the latter six concerning how we relate to people. The first four are here in verses 3 to 8. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Human beings were created for relationship with God. This is core to our design. He's bought um, the Israelites out of slavery for himself, for relationship with him. And then they've alienated themselves from God, saying that they wished they were still in Egypt, in slavery, grumbling about what God has and hasn't done. And as they alienate themselves from God, their society begins to fracture as well, and the people suffer. How quickly they forget what it was like when they put their trust in God, when they walked closely with him. He's been their guide, their strength, their help in time of need. He literally split the seas for them to walk through and be rescued out of slavery. He's fed them with bread from heaven. The Lord has led them out of slavery, yet now they're heading down a road which will enslave them again. So God is showing them how to prioritize relationship with him. He says, you were created for a relationship with me. Your freedom depends on relationship with me. Here is how you prioritize that relationship and remain in the freedom that I have given you. He says to them, you shall have no other gods before me. I'm the God who saved you and has the power to sustain you. Remain with me. You shall not make yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven or earth. Don't make new gods with your own hands. You know they can't help you. You literally just made them yourselves. Align yourself instead with me. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Honor and respect my name. Don't say things that defame my name and slander my character. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Set apart time for me. Be disciplined and don't let work take over every hour of every day. Make time for relationship with me. It might feel strange to have rules for relationship. Um, If I were to sit Rhiannon down and say, okay, I've drawn up a list of rules for our marriage. Um, Between the hours of 7pm and 9pm, the remote control will be exclusively mine. Um, I expect at least two texts throughout the working day. Um, And you may hold my hand in public, but not around my family. Um, I think if I did that, Rhiannon would rightfully challenge me. She'd say, Sam, this is not a business agreement. This is a relationship. But actually, it's not so far from the truth. She rightfully expects me to be faithful to her. I vowed on our wedding day to love, comfort, honor, and protect her. She rightly expects me to consider her needs and well-being when making a decision that's going to affect the two of us. She rightly expects me to put my clothes in the wash basket rather than leave them on the bathroom floor. Every relationship has unwritten rules, and some relationships like marriage even have written rules. We publicly declared rules for our relationship on our wedding day. There are boundaries and expectations on every relationship which enable it to flourish. Boundaries enable freedom. 
actually on the advice of Nikki and Scylla Lee when we did the marriage preparation course, um, we decided to put in a date night every week so that we would have that time set out for the two of us. In the busyness of life, it's so easy for that time to get squeezed out. And without that rule that we've laid down for ourselves, um, we wouldn't have had all of those times, just the two of us, uh, putting work to one side and spending time focusing one another, enjoying being with another, building our relationship. The Israelites are truly free when they're walking in relationship with God. And this, the first four commandments, is how they are to maintain that relationship. For us, it's exactly the same. We've been created for relationship with Jesus. When we walk in close relationship with him, we're not held back from our past because we know that we are forgiven. We're not enslaved by bad habits and addictions. We find freedom and healing in Jesus. When we're walking with him, we're confident in who we are. Not having to pretend that we're something we're not because we are known and loved. We are accepted as we are. But when we turn away from him, when we seek after other things, we restrict our own freedom. We're no longer sustained by that close relationship with him. Doubts and worries begin to creep in that cripple us, begin to trap us. We make decisions based on our own selfish ideas rather than on the wisdom of God. And those mistakes begin to catch up with us. We begin to enslave ourselves again. So God says to us, don't run off to other gods, other ideas, which you know can't help you. I am the God who has saved you and has the power to sustain you. Remain with me. Don't make new gods with your own hands. Don't put your faith in money, romance, material success. Don't put your faith in the things that can't help you, trying to build your freedom for yourself. Align yourself with me. Respect me by respecting my name. Don't say things that defame and slander my character. Know and speak the truth about me. Set apart time for me. Be disciplined and don't let work take over every hour of every day. Make time for relationship with me. So we are to prioritize relationship with Jesus. Make sure that you're making space for God to pray, to read the Bible. If you're not doing the Bible in one year with us, I really encourage you to get on that. It is um, really helping me to dig deeper into God's word. Get yourself in a connect group. Make sure you're putting yourself in those contexts where you're going to flourish in your relationship with Jesus. And get yourself out of those contexts that you know are stifling your walk with him. What are the things that you need to put in place today? to prioritize Jesus in your life. Boundaries enable freedom. In the busyness of day-to-day life, I know it can be so hard to keep those disciplines of prayer going. Um, There was a moment where I was particularly struggling um, to get up early enough and make that time in the morning to pray and read my Bible. And it got to the point where I'd literally tried everything, um, and it was still so hit and miss. Um, But I knew that it made a difference. When I'd spent time with Jesus in the morning, I carried this assurance of God's love. I stepped out more boldly. I was knocked less by the challenges of the day. But I was still struggling to make it a regular discipline. So I prayed, perhaps a foolish prayer. But I asked God for the variation between the days where I prayed and the days where I didn't to be so extreme that I would learn my lesson within a week. (laughs) That week transformed my walk with Jesus. How do we live in freedom? The first four commandments tell us to prioritize relationship with Jesus. 
The second category, commandments 5 through to 10, are all about the way that we relate to other people. God tells the Israelites, protect relationship with people. The Israelites don't just fail to prioritize relationship with God, they also fail to protect their relationships within the community. They treat one another poorly, looking to their own interests, and so relationships are fractured and the community suffers. God says to them in verse 12, honor your father and mother, keep good family relationships. You shall not murder, respect human life. You shall not commit adultery, uphold marriage, and do not divide families. You shall not steal, respect others by respecting their property. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor, speak the truth about others. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. Be content with what you have, and don't allow comparison to harm relationship. As they step outside of these boundaries, they restrict other people's freedom, and they damage relationship, ultimately restricting their own freedom too. The community suffers, and so everyone suffers. For me, I find the Tenth Commandment a particular challenge. I do get a little bit of house envy. I get even more car envy. Um, But the main area, actually, for me, isn't material possessions. I covet other people's gifts. I covet other people's opportunities. I covet the recognition that other people get for their good work. And this is exactly the same. I'm failing to be content with what I have and instead comparing myself with others around me. And comparison is the thief of joy. It stops me enjoying the good things that God has given me, so many good things. And it harms relationship. If I'm eyeing up your house, I'm building a subtle barrier of resentment between us that will stand in the way of a future relationship. If I'm jealous of your gifts, relationship is restricted. If I envy the praise and recognition that you get, deep friendship will never be possible. If we're to remain free in our communities, this is what God says to us. Keep good family relationships. Don't create fracture within the family. Love your family. Respect human life. Do not take another's life nor another's loved one. Uphold marriage. Do not divide families. Keep sex in its rightful context where it builds and strengthens society. Respect others by respecting their property. Speak the truth about others. Be content with what you have and don't allow comparison to harm relationship. Where are the relationships in your life that are impaired? Often it's through no fault of our own, but sometimes, if we're honest, It's because we failed to protect that relationship. Perhaps God is wanting to prompt you today to bring reconciliation in a relationship. Protecting relationship is not easy. There are so many mistakes we can make, feelings that can creep in, that can put the brakes on healthy community. But we are made for relationship. And God commands us to do these things because boundaries enable freedom. If we want to live in freedom, we must protect relationship with others. So the Israelites were led by Moses out of slavery in Egypt, and God gave them the Ten Commandments to help them to remain free. He's told them to prioritize relationship with God and to protect relationship with people. But for us, Jesus, the greater Moses, has brought us out of slavery 
from sin and death. And to help us to remain free, he's given us himself. We all fall short of God's perfect way. None of us has lived up to a, lived a life that is worthy of our amazing God. And it can be so easy to come away from a passage like this feeling condemned. But Jesus, our representative, has lived out the entire law on our behalf. He has fulfilled it. And when he went to the cross, he took our shame, he took our failure, he bore the price for us. Yes, we fall short, but when we have chosen Jesus, the slate is clean, and we are continually welcomed back with open arms of acceptance. He lived our life. He died our death. And the Holy Spirit might be convicting you this morning that there is a change that you need to make, an area perhaps where you've been neglecting your relationship with God, or perhaps a relationship with a friend, a colleague, a family member, where you need to make things right. But remember, when the Spirit prompts us, it's conviction, not condemnation. The Spirit calls us to change for our good. The Spirit calls us to change out of love. Conviction is kindness. And when we fall short... Jesus fulfills it for us. The Ten Commandments were given to Moses on Mount Sinai, where God comes and speaks in a dense cloud. After Moses, the next moment that we have a man on a mountain with God showing up and speaking in a dense cloud is the transfiguration. Jesus has gone up the mountain with Peter, James, and John, and there God speaks in the cloud, and he says, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. God gives us Jesus as our teacher and our model. When we find it hard to know how to prioritize relationship with God and protect relationship with people, we just have to look to Jesus. His model is one of self-sacrifice. He laid down his own desires for the sake of us. He submitted even to the most painful death for our sake. Jesus himself summarized the commandments like this in Matthew 22. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. What this all actually comes down to is love. If we truly love God and people, we will live out these commandments without even thinking about it. They will be the natural response. The commandments are simply the detail of what it looks like as humans to truly love God and people. If I love God, I'm going to make time for him. If I love my colleagues, I'm not going to lie about them. If I love my family, I'm not going to murder them, even when a game of Monopoly is involved. Jesus showed us what it is to love. Total self-sacrifice. Let's follow his model and fight for relationship by laying down our own interests and becoming servants of all. We simply cannot do this in our own strength. We need Jesus, we need his Holy Spirit to strengthen, equip and lead us. It would be foolish for us to walk out that door and attempt to truly love God and love people without first having been filled with love himself. As we're continually filled by the Holy Spirit, we are transformed more and more into Jesus' likeness. It's by his power and his alone that we can be changed. Jesus empowers. 
As Jesus transforms and empowers us, he sends us out. As we love God and love others, the result is not just freedom for us, but freedom for those around us. As we choose to prioritize relationship with Jesus, being made more like him, we carry his light into the darkest places. As we choose to protect relationship with people, following Jesus' model of service, we transform family situations. We change culture in workplaces. We turn universities and schools upside down. It's a battle to choose the life of love, but we are fighting for freedom. Let's follow Jesus' example and become servants of all, that we might live in freedom and carry freedom everywhere we go. God created us for relationship, and the commandments show us how to live in freedom. Prioritize relationship with Jesus and protect relationship with people.